Well, today, everything you wanted to know about index investing. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, what is the secret to investing? Today, my special guest is Mark Hebner, and he is an author and CEO of Index Fund Investors and architect of IFA.com, considered one of the most comprehensive websites focused on investor education. He is here to talk about his book, Index Funds, the 12-Step Recovery Program for Active Investors. His book has also been held as one of the three all-time greatest investment books. Hey, Mark, welcome to Prudent Money. Thank you, Bob. You know, I, I got to tell you, I hear, you're, okay. I hear you're a fan of index funds. I do like index funds. I think they definitely have a uh, de- definitely have a place in portfolio Good. construction. Absolutely. So yeah. the the main theme of the book is that the chances of an individual investor or fund manager beating the market are slim. So talk a little bit about that. Well. The only way to beat the market is to uh, discover securities that are mispriced. They're underpriced or they're overpriced. But a guy named Eugene Fama earned a Nobel Prize in 2013 for the hypothesis that all securities are fairly priced all the time. And there is a mountain of evidence now that supports that hypothesis. Is one of the most challenged ideas in finance, but it always survives. And in short, that is why you should just uh, diversify, keep your costs low, and buy the market. And instead of relying on your speculation of mispriced securities, you should rely on the fact that securities have an expected return that's tied to a number of things, but first and foremost, it's what the what profits these corporations make. Well, talk a little bit about how you have the book arranged with it with the twelve steps. And one of the things I want to point out for you sure. to answer that question is that the book is just brilliantly laid out, and there is a little bit of something for everybody. I think you know, Mark, if you got the person who says, "I want I want to see the stats, I want to see the data collection, I want to see the numbers." It's there, and it's plen- and that's a lot of it's there, and it will satisfy that. Or if you just want to get a general idea and start kind of diving into investing, I think this book de- definitely makes sense. Last thing I want to say, though, about this is that, uh, I, Mark, I don't know if you collect books in a library or not, but there's just something about this book, the way that y'all laid this out. And uh, it's just a beautiful book. And I've never, I've, in 20-plus so years, I've never said that to an, an author. But uh, I, the, <laughs> uh, the drawings and pictures, it's just, it's just spectacular. Yeah, we hired an artist uh, who was sort of a uh, Renaissance-era uh, artist. Uh, and I had her paint 85 original oil paintings for me, Bob. Mm. The, the concept for me was to provide something that had sort of an academic uh, quality to it, and then blend that with a business magazine that you might see, like Business Week, where sure. for, you know, for a feature article, they would do a full-page piece of art that captured the concept of the article. And so um, 
uh, to me, the best way to get through to people is to uh, is to um, influence, I guess, both sides of their brain to to make it uh, understandable to the art side and the science side. And so that was my objective there. And the idea of the 12-step recovery program came from the fact that um, after I had read all this uh, academic research and analyzed all the Nobel Prizes that had to do with investing, what, what occurred to me is that people were basically just gambling and uh, day traders and people who get hung up on trading a lot actually have a gambling addiction. And I started uh, Googling around and discovered that there is actually a 12-step recovery program for gamblers <laughs> uh, through Gamblers Anonymous. Yes, yes. And I found two therapists who actually do this. They actually treat stock market gamblers. And so that gave me the idea of a framework for my education in these 12 steps. I don't do, you know, uh, uh, the traditional 12 steps, um, sure. you know, by Bill W. that he put together. But there are some flavors of it in that you first have to recognize that you're an active investor. And then they, uh, in the traditional 12 step, they look for a higher power. And it occurred to me that the Nobel Prize winners are probably of the highest level of analysis of how uh, financial markets work. You know, what's interesting, I had a conversation with somebody, this was years ago, that uh, did a lot of trading. And he looked at yeah. me square in the eye one time and said, you know, I, I, I think I got a problem. And That's that, right. and that, uh, That's that right. completely opened up my eyes, you know, because I, I think there is, you, you get the dopamine rush. I mean, it's all there. You do. It's all there. With every trade, there's actually a pamphlet uh, for stock market gamblers from Gamblers Anonymous. And they talk about this, this uh, emotional hit, if you will. They call it action. And it's very similar to going to the casino. And then there have been uh, brain studies comparing uh, addicts uh, being uh, having uh, like a, a, a dose of cocaine put in front of them, and they measure what happens to their brain. It's the same uh, elements of the brain that get activated when somebody sees an opportunity to get rich quick, uh, in their mind anyway. And that's part of the, the, the enticing part of this, the allure, is that they can, what we call cheat risk, they can get risk, or they can get rich quickly without having to experience the risk. So. Uh, that's where the element of uh, 12-step program, recovery program comes from. And I want to hit a nerve as people read this, just like uh, the individual told you is, hey, maybe I do have a little problem. Yes. And I hadn't thought yes. about that aspect of investing. Well, of course, to be someone who beats the markets, you've got to have a little bit of an edge. You have to be the person who accurately calls the tops and bottoms of markets and is a market timing guru. And if you're like me, Mark, <laughs> and you get uh, you know, flooded with emails every day, it just seem, never seems to stop. Yeah. But it's all the guys and, and gals who are predicting this is going to happen, predicting this is going to happen, and uh, just absolutely drives me nuts. I agree with your work on it. I mean, you can't perfectly timed the market uh, no one can can get pretty lucky once in a while but uh, talk about the market time and gurus they just don't exist so you know there was a really interesting study by a group called CXO advisory where they actually wanted to go back and look at predictions of these so-called gurus 
And so they started collecting the predictions, and they developed a scoring system to rate them as to how accurate they were. And so we, I don't know how many did total, but we looked at about 30 of them, uh, all of which had more than 100 predictions that were measured and given an accuracy. And the highest accuracy, first of all, about two-thirds of them were below 50%. Now, you get 50% accuracy just by flipping a coin, by the <laughs> sure, way. So right, right. That's, that's your first clue that you got a problem. But the highest accuracy was 66%. And then we found a, a academic paper by another Nobel Prize winner, uh, William Sharp. Uh, you may know of the Sharp Ratio. Mm-hmm. And he actually wanted to know how accurate your forecast needed to be to outperform the market. And he concluded it was 74% accurate. And none of these, uh, these uh, gurus, that we call them, uh, you know, stock market forecasters, uh, had an accuracy that exceeded the, 60, the 74%. And let me just help your listeners understand why that might be the case, why it's so high. The average return of the market is about 10% for 95 years. It's 9.6, 9.8, somewhere in there, okay? But... There are typically three days a year where you have almost 3% return, 25 to 3%. So you can imagine if you're trying to time the market and you miss one or two or three of those days, you're immediately shot down on your ability to reach that 10%. So just one of them, you're at 7% instead of 10%. So it's one of the reasons that market timing is so dangerous. The other thing is, is if prices are fair, that means the next day you have an equal chance of going up or down around what we call the fair return. But in very short periods of time, uh, daily returns are almost a coin flip, 51% up, 49% down. And so... Uh, that's why it'll be what I like to call eternally confusing uh, for investors, uh, especially if they're trying to time the market. But everything doing with speculation has to do with some timing. When you're buying a stock, you're timing the purchase of it. When you're timing some manager, you're trying to get in when you think they're going to do good because maybe they did good in the past. And so... uh, the fact of the matter is, this timing is a really bad idea if somebody's flipping coins. And you mentioned the luck issue. This is a really important idea. What we've discovered is just about every individual, over 20 years, it's all mutual fund managers. Uh, none of them were able to outperform the market with what we call skill. Only the only ones who did outperform, if you if you do a, what's called a significance test, uh, would their results would be attributed to a chance only outcome, so that's otherwise known as luck. So there is no evidence of what we would call uh, skill and in investing, and so all of this is very, very what I'll call sobering <laughs> in a twelve-step <laughs> recovery way for investors. Sure, sure. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't make money. You can make a lot of money because of this average return of the market, but you just have to rearrange the way you do this and buy these low-cost, highly diversified types of portfolios. And then, uh, you know, you got to get to the right risk level for you so you don't get scared out of the market in a down market. 
and those kind of things. But that's why I named my firm uh, Index Fund Advisors. Uh, you said investors, I think, at the up oh, front my, of the show. My apologies. It's Index apologies. Fund Advisors because we're here to advise people uh, on how to use these sort of optimal investing tools. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. We're talking to Mark Hebner about a great book. His book is Index Funds, the 12-Step Recovery Program for Active Investors, 20th edition, and uh, just released not too long ago. We're talking a little bit about the contents of the book, a a book that I would greatly encourage you to read because I think this is uh, about the authority on how index funds work. One of the aspects of the book that I appreciate uh, that you write a lot about is risk. I I just don't think we think enough about it. One invaluable, it's it's just, it's no fun. You know, growth is fun. Risk is not so much fun to think about. But one invaluable Uh pieces of advice is that you you should choose a portfolio that you can live with despite market fluctuations. I think that is a huge deal. It's really big. It's really big. By the way, it's the 20th anniversary, 10th edition. So I wrote the first first edition of this 20 years ago. And then uh, I okay, chose to 10th. update it, much like uh, Bert Malkiel. Uh, uh, any uh, index fan, index fund uh, fan listeners you have out there—that was a mouthful—would um, <laughs> know about Bert Malkiel and his random walk down Wall Street. That tells a similar story. And he's been updating his book uh, for 50 years. I think he's up to now. And so, anyway. Um, so the the question about risk and how much uh, people can tolerate, uh, I like to call somebody's risk capacity. How much can how much variability of return? That's the best way to think about risk is acceptable for somebody. And there's a number of factors. I lay out uh, five different ones in the book that can have an impact. And those are all in step ten of our twelve steps, and all. Um, each one of those have a different impact on somebody's ability uh, to hold risk. And I can just, there's only five of them. I'll yeah, just go through go them through real them. quick. The first one, the first one is just how much time you have. If you need your money really soon, you don't want to subject it to, you know, a 30 or 40% drop in value and then be forced to sell it. So that's not a good idea. Then we like to know how much investments or savings you already have in place. Um, And then what's your income, Uh, your higher your income, the less likely you're going to have to dip into those savings. And then we like to ask about your attitude towards these losses and basically how much of a loss do you think would be acceptable to you in a down market? And we we go from 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50%. And then the last thing, uh, which I've learned has become more and more important, is your knowledge about investing. Yes. If you understand that markets come back and you have seen some data about how, how they have, have recovered in the past, uh, it gives you more confidence to hold on um, than uh, if you didn't understand that. Uh, you might get scared and just say, hey, I'm going to cash and I'll just wait this thing out. You know, when it comes... And that's a bad idea. Uh, yes. It's <laughs> a bad idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to risk, unfortunately... Uh, and we've had the uh, opportunity to watch this happen in the bond markets. You know, investors yeah. have misunderstood, really, I think, misunderstood how bonds work, assuming that they don't lose money, which is just the worst thing you could do. How do you yeah. go about choosing bonds or bond fund invest- investments now? 
and uh, as yeah. people re-examine their beliefs on bonds. So, Bob, I like to think of investing as kind of like two buckets. Uh, and, and when someone takes those questions I just gave you, they end up getting a score. And let's say they get a score of 50 out of 100 uh, after taking that. What that would mean uh, for us is that half of your money should be in safe investments um, that have really two purposes, and that would be these bonds. Number one is to provide liquidity, to provide access to your capital, no matter what markets are doing when they're up or down. And then the second thing is they dilute the volatility of the equities. So they cut in half, if it's 50-50, how much you could lose in a bad market because the bonds, uh, in particular if they're safe bonds, uh, really don't go up and down. So your question had to do with what kinds of bonds. Because this is your safe bucket, we recommend that investors keep the maturity of the bond. This is when they mature. There's a there's a 30-day T-bill and there's a 20-year treasury bill or a government bond or a corporate bond. So the, the, how long you have to wait to get your money back is very important in bonds. We like to keep those maturities uh, around two years. And then in terms of the quality of the bond, the credit rating, uh, what the academics like to call the chance of default in the bond, you want to keep that about a double A with triple A being the highest rating. And that way, your safe money is safe. What you're talking about were bonds that were uh, – kind of like the what's called the Barclays Ag. They have an average maturity of about seven to yes. nine years. And probably, I don't know exactly what the credit rating is, probably uh, double B, uh, maybe triple B, that kind of thing. And so more risky. And so uh, they're subjected to big drops in value when interest rates have gone up. And then they come back after the interest rates have gone down. And that's all a little confusing to everybody. So the best way to do it, I think, is to keep your bond money nice and safe and 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 uh, design it for what it's meant to be used for, which is liquidity and volatility reduction. You know, one of the things that I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about before we uh, wrap this up is the yeah. difference between active and passive investing. I think, I mean, you really got to understand sure. that, that uh, distinction if you're going to read the book. Yep, so that's step one. <laughs> and in short, uh, if you're trying to pick stocks, okay, or you're trying to time the market, those are the two most common active strategies, then you're an active investor. So you got to stand up in the circle and say, my name's Mark, I'm an active investor, and then sit down. But um, there's there are a couple other things. Maybe you're trying to find a manager who's had a good track record, and, and you think that that's going to be indicative of his future return. That's another form of active investing. And another one is moving in and out of, let's say, uh, stocks and bonds, or moving uh, among various types of stock categories, like large company to small company, uh, value stocks to growth stocks, that kind of thing. 
And so basically any kind of moving around, any kind of trading is a form of active investing. And the best thing is that you diversify, buy, hold, and then you need to rebalance, you know, that 50-50 I mentioned. After a while, the stocks will grow quicker than the bonds or grow to a higher level. And so then you want to sell some of those and put them back into the bonds so you have a constant ratio or allocation between stocks and bonds. You know, in the book, you write about uh, many of the greats in the investment world. The, the uh, late John Bogle, who I've interviewed a few times, and he you know, had a huge impact oh, yeah. on the world of investing. Talk about his contribution that is really now his legacy. So, so I met Jack also. I spent about 45 minutes with him one day at a conference uh, talking about many topics. Uh, some people have said I've kind of picked up the baton uh, after he's passed away on this idea of indexing and passive investing. But, but Jack uh, realized early on that it was late 1975, actually, that uh, there wasn't a product out there for individual investors anyway that allowed them to passively hold the market and to uh, basically – uh, stay away from all the stock picking or manager picking because they're mutual funds and people were more trying to find the best mutual fund. And Jack's main concept was to keep the costs low and to keep your, uh, your investments diversified. Those are two huge ideas in finance. And those two simple ideas have drove uh, investments to the point where at the end of last year, we're actually more than 50% of the mutual fund or ETF products that are now index-based. When I started, Bob, it was maybe 5%. <laughs> and so we are now at 50%. Unfortunately, a lot of those are ETFs, and people trade them way more than they should. In fact, it's one of the reasons Jack Bogle didn't like ETFs is because people would take an index fund, which was designed as a buy-and-hold vehicle. And that's the reason uh, it was put together in the first place. But now it's in an ETF. They can trade it all day long. And, uh, in fact, of the top ten traded securities uh, the other day, someone told me the other day, three of them are S&P 500 ETFs. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yep. Well, listen. So listen, congratulations, by the way. You've, you've read through the book. Uh, not everybody I speak to has uh, grasped uh, the concepts of the book so well. So you, you, did, uh, you did your homework. I appreciate that. Well, listen, no, it, it, uh, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be right if I had you on the program and didn't do my homework. So uh, it's I a great, great book, one that I do recommend, Index Funds, the 12-Step Recovery Program for Active Investors. If you want more information, about Mark, you can go to www.ifa.com, and we'll also have the book posted on the website uh, today. So, Mark, congratulations on your book. Uh, pleasure talking to you. Uh, good luck. Pleasure talking to you, Bob. Thank you so much. Bye. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. The name of the book is Index Funds, the 12-Step Recovery Program for Active Investors. This is a book that you know, throughout the years, looked at a lot of different books on investing. I would probably call this one the authority on index funds. And, you know, what an index fund is, we talked a lot about a lot of things. That's, that's something that I like about the book is that it covers a bunch of different um, problems with certain types of investing. 
It covers what we do right, what we do wrong, what we could do better, things to look out for, disciplines that you follow on a annual basis. I mean, it really does cover the gambit of information. And uh, as uh, Mark said, this particular, this is the 20th edition of the book, but there's been 10 revisions. I think this was the 10th revision. So it, uh, I, you know, I, I think that one of the most important things that and we talk about this all the time that you can do as an investor is to make sure that you acquire knowledge. And this is a great way to do it. Once again, index funds, the 12-step recovery program for active investors. This is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.